Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're in for another live session of Tigers SRD here at, well, we have our own website now, so more on that. I'll put that out there, and it's going to only be a 30-minute, 20-minute thing because we have a guest coming on at 9 o'clock, but I'm not going to say who because I don't want to jinx it because I've learned sometimes with guests, what have you, tend to just, things happen. So we're going to have a guest, and you'll know the name, what have you. I'm Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris Brown, and we're talking the minor league Invites, Chris? Is that the proper way to say it? Yeah, I mean, that's the way that baseball wanted it to be portrayed. I think uh, what we got today was another example of kind of uh, Major League Baseball not really knowing their ass from the hole in the ground. Yes. Like, just, just, just reading things wrong and wanting to market. Like, I think they wanted to make this kind of like a big event where everybody's invited. All these teams are invited, but of course, everybody focuses on the 43 teams or whatever that no longer have affiliations. Some of them have already kind of joined the, the Summer Bat League. Yeah, the Norwich uh, Norwich Sea Unicorns. Rest in peace to the Tigers. Uh, well, to, to the entirety of the New York Penn League, but to the Tigers short season uh, affiliate for what, the last 27 years or something like that? It's I mean, been, it's been it moved around. They were in, I was looking at, they were in Niagara Falls, then they were in Jamestown, New York, and then Oneonta is when I first uh, heard about them. And then they moved to Norwich, and now the people of Norwich uh, are, are kind of left in the dark. I mean, here's the thing. We, we knew this was coming. Right. Art, but baseball didn't tell anybody. Like, I guess they had to do this so, so it didn't get out early, but... You know, all we all we saw from the teams today was like, "Hey, we found out today in a press release." Nobody told us or warned us. Um, you know, who knows how much of that to believe, or if this is just sour grapes or whatever. But yeah, it just it just feels like something they did really poorly. But you know, as a whole, I think it's probably good for minor league baseball eventually. Right. In terms of, it just makes more sense. If you were to design a minor league system, it would look more like this. That would. From, you know the last 50 years or whatever it, it sucks for all the teams and all the towns that are losing baseball yeah i mean for example i saw earlier that the clinton lumberjacks which is now the high affiliate well would have been the high affiliate in midwest league they didn't even get a call from the marlins they, they were just like would have been nice to get a phone call it was uh, sarah sanchez retweeted that and i was just i was just kind of blown away a little bit but then at the same time I know they, they there could have been a, bit, a better way to go on about this too. Staten Island suing the Yankees, the Staten Island Yankees are suing, and then Fresno, who was a Triple A affiliate, now goes to I think Lowy, yeah, Lowy for the Rockies. And so I, again, I agree with you. This is long term for minor league baseball better. West Michigan now is a high affiliate, so we get a higher quality Lakeland and Lakeland is getting Lowy and all the rookie ball. And I think the Florida State League is now what 10, 11 teams now. They lost two teams, yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for people in our, in our area, it does. We're, we're going to get a slightly higher level of baseball. There's there's a better chance now that fans in Grand Rapids or, you know, in Michigan are going to go and be able to see Riley Green again and probably Spencer Torkelson for the first month or two of the season out in uh, Grand Rapids. So, that I mean, that's nice for assuming 
we have any sort of real minor league season. We still don't know anything about that. You know, that's still kind of up in the air. But, right. but yeah, it's a little more streamlined. Major League Baseball has more control. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've, they, they've done some things with some of the teams that got lost. You know, there's the new Major League uh, Draft League, I think they're calling it, which is going to be like a wood bat developmental league. But, but yeah, it's it's – it's a sad day for a lot of places. A lot of, you know, in a lot of them in the Midwest League, like you mentioned, I think, well, else? King County lost their team. King County, yep. Did, uh, Bowling Green didn't. They thought, people thought they were, but uh, I guess the Rays were like, no, we like it there. So like, teams had the ability, apparently, to save minor league teams if they wanted to. But I understand. They really there's a couple comments about Clinton being kind of like a not a really good stadium. Yeah, and I think Burlington, too, th- yeah. there was, uh, you know, some of these, the kind of the places that we see and uh, we saw in the movie Sugar. That's right. Know, basically, yeah. these, these cornfields. But uh, yeah, it's a bummer. But you know, we'll we'll live with it and we'll get used to it soon enough. Yeah, and I I really feel bad for these teams that and these families too. This is the this is tradition for some of these people. And the one positive about this too is that the Sea Wolves are are still among us, so all the stadium, all that stuff is going towards, was going for the right thing. So uh, coming up tonight, too, we're going to talk this hashtag that's been trending today, David Dahl to Detroit, and I know that there's a certain type, it was, actually, you know, I got to give credit to Scott Bentley, who got this trending on, I guess, trending across the United States and in the area, so he was trying to get people, (laughs) and he asked us. the United States, for real? Yeah, he was, is it trending United States? He showed a, he showed a screenshot of it earlier and he got it to he got it to going, so I got I got to give him credit for that. And yeah, here's and see, there there they come, there they come, Scott you know, Scott Motor City, yeah, there we go, Dial to Detroit. So Scott is Scott's been doing videos every day, and I got I got to respect the fact that he's doing it. And um, yeah, see every every Scott Burner Tigers. So everybody was pretty pumped about that, and you know credit to him, he's well, doing video until every day until he comes here. But uh, well. We'll talk about that for a little bit, and then we'll get into the Rule Five stuff before our guest coming at nine o'clock, which we won't be live for. We'll be that'll be off the recording. Well, that so yeah, more yeah. This is the last time Scott doing this. More to come. Yep. So more to come. Dial to Detroit. Dial to Detroit. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about David Dahl, Chris. Shall we? No, absolutely. I you know when when we first heard that he was being released by the Rockies, it was kind of a shock. You know, he's a former top prospect. He was like a top 50 prospect for multiple years. Uh, and yeah, he's one of the biggest names who, who was, uh, you know, designated along with Schwarber and Eddie Rosario, I think you mentioned. Um, but the more you look into it, the, the the more it makes sense. You understand why they did it. Um, doesn't mean that, that Dahl isn't super, like, you know, naturally talented. But uh, for people who don't know, you know, he was uh, he was a first round pick back in 2012, 10th overall. Apparently, he actually had a deal with the Pirates that year, but then the Pirates changed their mind and went after Mark Appel, and then they couldn't sign him, so they lost out. But so he signs with the Rockies, and he just goes bonkers in his first year. Goes to Pioneer League, which is always uh, you know a big hitter friendly league anyway. Right. And he hit like 380 with 12 home runs and 20 steals or something like one won the MVP. Um, and then things just got weird. So the, so the next year, he, the Rockies punished him because he booked his own flight from spring training back to the stadium or something like that, I, instead of taking a team flight or do something like that. So they punished him, sent him back down to the, the uh, instructional league for a week or so. Then he came back and, and tore his hamstring the first, uh, second week of the season. We only played 10 games in 2013. Uh and then he came back for instructs, but then he went down with back soreness. Um, and and that becomes kind of a theme. And he, he was good in 2014 again. He, he went back to low A and played really well, hit about 300. And uh, at the end of the year, they sent him up to high A. And then they dropped him back down to low A at the end of the season because they uh, Asheville was in the playoffs and they wanted him to get some experience. And they won the title that year, so that was probably fun. Uh, and then uh, – 2015, he's in high A and gets in a horrible outfield collision that cost him his spleen. Ooh. Uh, and, and so he only he missed like half the season. And then when he was on the way back, he had knee tendonitis. So he, he uh, ended up not coming back that year. So back healthy and productive in 2016. Every time he's healthy, he's productive. 
he hit 314 with 18 homers and 17 steals in high A. I'm sorry, between double A and triple A in like 97 games. So he actually got called up to the Rockies that year and he played well for the Rockies. He hit 315 with seven homers. And uh, and that was worth about like 1.2 or 1.0 war, depending on what you look at, in only 60 games. So it looked like, all right, this guy's legit. He's going to be our center fielder. That's 2016. But guess what happens in 2017? Injury. Stress fracture <laughs> in spring training. Uh, then back, uh, back spasms when he was rehabbing. So he only played 19 games in 2017. 2018, one trip to the injured list in the minors, uh, and then a foot fracture in the big leagues. He did play 77 games in the bigs and, and hit 273 with 16 homers, though. So, again, it's like whenever he plays, he's productive. But uh, we're up to 2019 now. Uh, he, had, he spent a quick week of, on the injured list to begin the year, and then he had a really strong first half. You know, he hit 308 with 12 homers and, and a couple steals and 80 games, made the all-star team. He heard it like his, it was really happening for him. He hurt his spleen, then, by the way. Just I was telling the listener that he hurt his spleen, but continue. Spleen. Yes. Um. So yeah. So so twenty nineteen All Star game. Then like two days into August, guess what happens? High ankle sprain. Done for the year. And finally this year, he hit one eighty three with no power through twenty four games. Hit the uh, injured list again with back soreness, and then they put him on the sixty day injured list with a sore shoulder, a shoulder strain. So you're keeping track. That's seven out of eight full seasons that he's been uh, missed most of the games, not most of, but a significant portion of season with injuries in multiple injuries. And uh, you could kind of understand why they got rid of him. If, if you've been dealing that with that for, for eight years, you just, they probably don't think he's ever going to be healthy and productive. Um, so basically, like I said, the tools are still there. He's, he's got power. He's got speed. He's got an arm. He can play center field. Uh, but at best, you've got an extremely injury-prone player, and at worst, you might have a bit of a malingerer. Because that's one thing I didn't mention in in the Baseball America draft profile. Scouts had concerns about his demeanor on the field; that he seemed to 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 not be very interested, or maybe he doesn't love baseball that much. Uh, and when you start thinking about the number of times, there's like at least three times where he was injured, and then during the rehab process, he got re-injured and didn't come back. So. You understand why the Rockies got rid of him. I also understand why fans are interested in him and, and, and would like to see him. I think it would be great. I'd love to see him in Detroit. I said before, I think a, a healthy David Dahl is basically a, a left-handed Jacoby Jones, if you will. And we've seen Jacoby Jones really good and, and really bad and injured a lot too. So uh, he's young. Like I said, if, if, you, if they got him now, they theoretically have him for the next three years. And if he's healthy, he could be a building block. But – but it's not uh, – there's a reason the Rockies let him go, basically. This wasn't 100% cost-cutting. He was only going to be like $3 million. So that's my take on David Dahl. Yeah, I mean, some of his numbers, if you look at some of his stat cast numbers, and that's where he had a drop in exit velocity. It's, that was, And probably because of injuries. It was down from – usually it's around – on average was 88. It was 85 this year. He only barreled it up twice, and his barrel percentage dropped again. It's all – Sample size because of the short season. Yeah, and, and he had back soreness and a, a shoulder strain, but it's like just just about every part of his body. Like we said, his spleen is gone. He's hurt his ankle. He's hurt his back. He's hurt his ribs. He tore his hamstring. Just it could be extremely bad luck. Uh, but but as we say before, the the number one indicator that you're going to get injured in the future is previous injuries, and he's had a boatload. Yeah, and not to mention when you 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 and I have talked about this ad nauseum about back. If, when you injure your back, you're never the same person because you use your back and everything. You use your back in your swing, you're running, everything. So if if yep. he's gotten injured back, that's where you that's where the issue could be, come in. So it, it to me, doctor said he needed a backyotomy. Yeah, <laughs> backyotomy. Um, doctor said I need a backyotomy. <laughs> if you want to take a flyer on him, great. And I, I do we start him Listen, right away? Go ahead. The Tigers are in no position to turn away anybody with major league talent, and he's got tools for days. Like I said, if if they can sign him and bring him to Detroit, I'd be happy. I just I, I think uh, expecting him to come to Detroit and then be an All Star instantly is probably uh, a recipe for disappointment. There's one thing I want to address real quick about the, the free agency and all that because something that I saw Cody Saberhagen of the Athletic wrote a really good article, and you've written about this too, and Brandon Dave from Bless You Boys has written about this as well, and that's patience. And I know that. You know, I will say that. I mean, I know we had Mike who wrote a, a piece about the non tender 
day, and let's just say there's certain people, not going to say who, were not happy about that piece, and they kind of let it be known in some way, shape, or form. Be that as it may, I understand the anger and frustration. How I feel about it, Tigers, if you read the tea leaves, I mean, even to the point where Chris Mikowski, Detroit News, popped off about making some weird boutique statement, then he deleted it and what have you, all that all that side, Tigers do need to spend. How they spend, we don't know. And I, I just in terms of even making a trade to be creative, that's where that's where I struggle with. Because today I did a piece on Dave Dabrowski taking prospects, thirty, you know, thirty-five future value, forty future value, and turning them into impactful players. And to me, if you're going, if you have these prospects and you not, you know, use them for players that are proven, if they can help you out and they're under control for a couple of years, be that do it. If if somebody, if another team likes your prospects, hey, take them. If they, if yeah. if they're, if there's something like you know, I'm not saying like special Torkelson or Riley Green or anything like that, but if they like somebody in your system, take advantage of it. And I, I practice, I say practice patience, and I know sometimes I get a little impatient, but we've seen this before. They don't, if they're going to do everything, they either do it all at once or they wait till January, mm-hmm. February. That's, I mean, there's no, no yeah. rhyme or reason behind it. And so I understand why fans are frustrated. Yeah, I do too, because they just want to see some sign that the team cares, that the team is interested in trying to make themselves better. I think. Like you said, that but there's no you don't get extra wins for being first to sign a bunch of free agents, you right. know. And with the Tigers, we assume they have some sort of plan for the offseason, and they're not just going, Hey, let's see what's available. Uh, so whatever is happening right now is, is uh, you know, they're waiting for what they want, or they are offering some players, and the players themselves are kind of feeling it out. Uh, I think, you know, what we saw last year, I think fans were generally pretty happy with the moves they made and the results, basically. I mean, I think uh, people really enjoyed Jonathan Scope and, and CJ Crone when he was, before he got hurt. Uh, you know, Ivan Nova didn't work out and Romine was solid early and then kind of tapered off. You know, he's a career backup and that's what he played like. Um, but those were solid moves that, that actually had, when when they were healthy and competing, the Tigers were... 500 or whatever uh, heading into the final month of the season, I think, or they were 18 and 18 or something like that. Right. Uh, And everybody got hurt and they fell off the cliff again and they brought up the young guys. And, you know, so I think it's likely the Tigers will make some moves that will be okay. The Tiger fans will be like, all right, we can root for this guy. He's a major leaguer. That's what we wanted last year. And that's what they got. Um, But, you know, fans naturally want to see the Tigers like, in on George Springer and JT Real Muto and stuff like that. And and we write about it because it's fun to think about, but it's right. just they've shown us that's not what they're gonna do. They're not they're not interested in spending a whole lot of money. They probably don't feel like they're uh, gonna compete or get close to competing next year. And this is the way they're going. I, I mean it you you contrast it with what we've seen from the Royals, who aren't that much better than the Tigers from a talent perspective, and they're kind of in, in the same boat. They've got a lot of young pitching coming up. But the Royals are going out and trying to make their team better through, uh, you know, some some might question the, the wisdom of signing Carlos Santana or Mike Miner or who else. They, they traded for Michael A. Taylor or signed him. At least doing stuff. And I think Tigers fans would be happy about that. And, and honestly, we probably would too at Motor City Bengals because it give us something concrete to write about. Yeah, instead of people giving us crap about, oh, you guys are writing too much theoretical. What, what do you want us to do? You want to just sit there and we don't have – we can only do so much and we don't have the – We, we, don't we can do an alternate universe Tigers team. Yeah, we can do an alternate universe team. We don't have access to the clubhouse. We don't have access to press conferences as much as we'd like to and be taken seriously because I think we should be, but looking at you guys, uh, it's to me – it's it's one of those things where I I personally think that it's just – it's gonna be. It's just. It's. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be. If you look at how Chris Mikowski wrote that piece, some of those names in there. If you read the tea leaves, and I mean, we all tomorrow. I mean, we got the Rule Five draft, and that's something like it's becoming like the Lions. When you know, like Rule Five Day, and I was talking to Ralph from Prospects Live about it, and he was just like, "Why the hell do you guys? It's people love the Rule Five stuff, and just judging by the uh, clicks in the articles, Chris. I mean, people want to know who the Tigers are gonna pick in the Rule Five draft." I personally think they're going to go with a pitcher, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I uh, 
pitcher is the most commonly selected position by far, followed by kind of middle infielders, shortstop, second baseman, then outfielders, then your corner outfielders, then last uh, catcher. But uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about. I think people just love the idea of a bargain or, uh, you know, people love drafts. You People love mock drafts. People love all that stuff. So something like this where you're just taking uh, the players from another team seems fun to people. But yeah, history shows us that, that the vast majority of players taken get returned. They don't even uh, offer anything teams. Re-garrant. And the players from Houston aren't very good. I mean, Victor Reyes is kind of a success story, and he's like less than two career war. Uh, I mean, every now and then you, you, you see a Dan Ugla or a uh, you know Josh Hamilton was a Rule 5 pick. Johan Santana is the one people point to a lot, but that was before they changed the rules. Uh, in recent years, you're looking at like Brad Keller, a number four starter, which would be great to land in the Rule 5, but it's just really uncommon. Yeah, I mean, we'll look at some of the pitchers. We'll start with pitchers here and some of the suggestions. And one of them from Ralph from Prospects Live, and, and I know this is a big fan of Dan Heese. He's a fan of this guy who's Brett DeGoss from the Dodgers system. I put in Dave Parkinson because they always choose lefties. They always seem to do that for yep. whatever reason. Riley Pint because, well, I mean, he grew He's a name. He's a name. He was from Overland Park, which is two hours away where from Wichita State where one David Chad the vice president and assistant GM, that's the stomping grounds. And so you can put it together. You maybe you can put not. I don't know. I mean, but then Pint hasn't pitched above low A, and he's wild all over the place. A guy I like, too, and until until Ralph showed me was a little bit was Kate McClure from the White Sox, and he had a really good spring training. He was, his mild per hours went up there, uh, I guess, from conditioning and then just some of the analytics that the White Sox are using. But in the outfield, Chris, there was a, there was a couple guys that I wanted you to talk about real quick before we roll on out of here. Uh, T.J. Freddy, which or for, is it? Am I saying that right? I think Freidel. Freidel from the or Reds. Freidel, yeah, one of those two. Yeah, I mean, you know, he gets mentioned a lot, and he was a guy who was kind of he was available last year. Nobody took him, and it was kind of surprising he was uh, available last year, and he's available again this year. So, in that. What do we always say? The teams tell you what they think of players. That it kind of tells you that the Reds don't necessarily think he's a, a super valuable player. But he's a guy who he's just an interesting story. He was a walk on at Nevada, and he sucked as a freshman, redshirted as a sophomore, and then hit close to 400 or over 400 as a junior. But he thought that you had to play three years of baseball to get drafted, not that you just had to be in there for three years. So oh. he didn't do anything you have to do to, to to get drafted, and teams didn't pay attention to him. And then he went, He went. I think he went to the Northwoods League and played really well. And then he went up on Team USA and started raking. And then teams realized, like, oh, crap, this guy's available. So the Reds gave him 730 grand, which is the highest ever for an undrafted uh, free agent. And he's been fine in, in pro ball. But he's, he's just kind of, I don't want to say like a Jake Robson, but sort of like that, like, a, like an outfielder. He's got some speed and he's got contact skills and he doesn't strike out a ton. He doesn't have much power overall, and he might be li- limited to left field. Probably could handle center field. So it's just it's more of a fourth outfield profile at, at the most. But Tigers could kind of use outfield help in any way they, they can get it now. So Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, they, they right now, as the Sands, they still – you're not sure what's going to happen with Christian Stewart, whether he's going to be back or not or in the fold. Travis Demerit kind of fell back a little bit last year. I mean, well, he's never really been in the mix anyways, if we're being yeah. honest about it. So right now the outfield situation, I mean, Bonifacio did not accept his assignment, so he's a minor league free agent. Robson, speaking of Robson, by the way, the Australian Australian baseball starts at the 16th, so he's playing for the Blue Sox, same thing with Cam Gibson. So you you have a situation, too. And you, have, you still have Troy Stokes Jr. on the 40-man roster, which could change. We don't know what yeah, he's capable I, of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the rest of the 40-man options, you, you mentioned Christmas Stewart. The other outfielders they have are, are Derek Hill, uh, Daz Cameron, uh, Troy Stokes Jr., and possibly Harold Castro, basically. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's very little. And you're basically going in with Victor Reyes and Jacoby Jones as your starters. There's just, there's, it, it, you know, those guys are probably fourth outfielders, <laughs> ideally. So. There's not a whole lot of talent out there. They could they could give Daz the starting job. Maybe he'll win it in spring training. But yeah, they could use some help out there. And ideally, it would be the form of a, a good veteran. But maybe they they go cheap again and, and try their luck in the outfield. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it really depends on what how they want to go about it, too. I mean, Jock Peterson, a lot of Tiger fans want Jock Peterson. And, again, that's kind of like, to me, that's a platoon. I, I like, to, like I mentioned earlier, Eddie Rosario. And then the – I'm trying to think of any – I'm trying to think of – I'm drawing a blank on who's um, out there for the out, – in terms of outfielders. Well, Schwarber. Schwarber. Oh, yeah, Schwarber. Yeah, but – If you I, want him to play outfield, you probably want him to play first base or DH, but – yeah, I mean, if he wants to play first base, by all means. So it really depends on what you're looking Brian for. Brian Goodwin. Brian Goodwin. Uh, Michael Bradley's yeah. been talked about, but it, again, he was rumored with the Yankees. Michael Bradley would be an ideal choice, but I, I don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna spend or how much they're gonna spend on. Considering too that, like, you might see Riley Green. There was a question about Spencer Tuckelson if he would be making the the ball club next year, but I really it depends on how he doesn't double. I, I think he if where he starts off at, but oh. Yeah, you know what? I the, who who asked that? That was uh, Joe. What's his name? Joe, I think it was Joe. Yeah. Joe Dexter. Yeah. yeah. So, with uh, about Torkelson, if it's realistic for him to start, I, from a talent perspective, not not start, but reach the majors next year. From a talent perspective, it's probably somewhat realistic. Uh, I don't expect it to happen. It's uh, just given the way the Tigers have been handling prospects recently, the last few years. And and we've joked before about them bringing up Bork and Green on the same day, like they did this year with with Mize and Scoobal and Freitas, just kind of a you know prospect holiday. But yeah, I, I just I don't see it. And and one of the things we can do, we can kind of look to the history of similar players, Torkelson, you know, high high draft picks, highly th- uh, thought of college hitters, and see what happened with them. So we've heard them compared to Mark Teixeira a couple times. I think they said, you know, best college hitter since Mark Teixeira. And Teixeira was drafted fifth overall in 2001. Back then, guys didn't sign until super late, so he didn't play at all in 2001. He spent all of 2002 in the minors, the whole season, spending uh, time between high A and double A, and then he went right to the majors the next year, the full season in minor league ball. We've also heard uh, Torque compared to Chris Bryant. Uh, you know, if, if maybe he's the best hitter since Chris Bryant. Bryant was second overall in 2013. He, uh, he spent a few weeks in high A that draft year and tore it up, and then Spent all of uh, the next year, 2014, in Double A AA and Triple A, and you know, minor league player of the year, stuff like that. Just monster numbers. And then they remember the Cubs even sent him back to the minors, yeah, for like for, ten games for service. Yeah, 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 just manipulate his service time, which is it cost him a year of free agency, and, and who knows how much money. So then we and then just two years ago, go to the the top of the draft, the uh, the players taken after Casey Mize. So Alec Bohm, the catcher of the Giants, or I'm sorry, Joey Bart, the catcher of the Giants, Alec Bohm, the third baseman for the Phillies. And Nick Madrigal, the second baseman from the White Sox, all three of them spent the entirety of the first full season in the minor leagues before coming up the year after this year. And so I expect that's what we'll see from Torkelson. Probably spend all all next year. Like we said earlier, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if he starts in High A, which is West Michigan now, uh, and then quickly moves to Double A at least by June, and then might even get up to Triple A. Um, and then it's possible the Tigers bring bring him up late in late September just for fun, but it seems unlikely. I, I say, you know, we didn't hear a ton about what was going on in the summer camp this year, and but but we did hear that Torkelson was kind of just okay. Like I don't want to say that he was bad or anything like that, but he wasn't like this otherworldly Godzilla of a human hitter. You know, it's going to take him some time. He's still a minor leaguer, still a prospect. He's not going to come out and be Babe Ruth right away. Um, and so if I were to, like, bet when he comes up, I'd put my money probably in, like, May or June of 2022. That way the Tigers can manipulate his service time a little bit, too, and give him the, the requisite. And, and with his, with him, they'll have the built-in excuse that he needs more defensive reps at third base. So, Yeah, because at that point, either if Brian Packer continues his trend, which we'll see him, we'll see him in West Michigan this year again, before or he might start the season in Erie. I'm not sure what's going on there, but he was he wasn't late. Yeah, you know it all. It, it all depends season. on how uh, the positions work out. I mean, Packard they moved him to first base, right? So I think that yeah. he will. It's going to be between Packard and Ray Rivera, right? Yeah. So or I guess they would Nick Ames and uh, a couple other guys. Yeah, but. Nick. Yeah, there's um. Was what was the who was the guy that was in camp that was playing all the positions? The uh, Brady Policelli. Yeah, Brady Policelli. Or yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's possible they have any there anywhere. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. It's Mike, right? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Mike Papchak. Bring it back, Mike. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was a random Jerky Boys reference that probably <laughs> nobody got. Uh, 
I think it's likely that he will, Torkelson will get moved back to first base eventually, but I don't think they will do it because to, to hurry him to the big leagues or to make fans happy. I think they'll do it because it, they kind of have to. Right. And, and they're like everything that they've done, they're doing it on their own timeline. You know, we saw they brought up the three guys I mentioned uh, to avoid the super two and also to give all three of those guys a chance to still be rookies next year. They have a chance to, you know, Mize and Scoobol and, and Paredes will have a chance to go for the rookie of the year if they want. Um, I don't, you know, it's possible that Torque is just such a monster that they bring him up early in 2022 or late in 2021, but I, I just don't see it lining up with what, what they've been doing lately. Yeah, I mean, Candel, I mean, Candelario was, they put, he was, he's playing in the Dominican Winter League for the, the, the Los Toros again, and he was like, wherever the Tigers want me, third, first base, doesn't matter. And so there is some corner. You saw Marco Franco was another name that was mentioned in Mikowski's article, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's I, I think tomorrow the Rule Five, but I just think it's I think maybe we won't. See, my prediction is we don't see anything until the beginning of the year. Honestly, I I would love for something to come up in December, but usually there's some rumor, there's something, and outside of the Walker or Tehan Walker rumor a couple weeks ago, the Tigers were interested. It's been. Nothing. John yeah, Morosi. John Morosi hasn't said anything. Usually, John Morosi will give some sort of hint he, or indication. He, he said something about Kirk Casale being an interesting option for Detroit, but he didn't say the teams were talking to him or Casale was interested. Anything like that. So, right. yeah, it, it. I agree with you. I doubt we see hear any real moves until. Uh, and but I, and I do think they'll take a picture tomorrow. I, I mentioned it before. I like Zach Pop or the Orioles, but I haven't seen him mentioned on any of the national like Rule Five preview lists. So I don't know, who knows? But I mean, he's a he got he had Tommy John surgery in 2018, so or 2019. So people are probably worried about that. But to me, that that is almost a bonus for the Rule Five, because you really you only have to have the guy in the roster for 90 days to to keep him, and so you can continue having him rehab his injury. And when he's when he was healthy, he was 94 to 98 like a side armor almost 94 to 98 with a, a, a slider that was above average at times. I think that could work in the bullpen, but uh, like I said, I haven't seen anybody else mention him. So maybe I'm just uh, way out of my league here. Well, the Tigers tend to, I think whoever they pick tomorrow might not be a popular, perhaps not like a, a popular choice. We'll see. I mean, maybe they'll, maybe it's a name they've already seen. They were last year because they had the first pick. We found out pretty early. They were going to pick Garcia yeah. And in this case, there's been again, it's been really weird. It, it, usually, there's some sort of rum, you know, rumbling and what have you. Well, there's been nothing. So, I mean, well, it, we'll start. JJ Cooper as the master of all things, uh, Rule Five from from Baseball America. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he was obviously quite busy today with all the. He's also been covering all the the minor league stuff. Uh, the guy's earned his money today for sure. Yeah, he deserves he deserves to get an award this year, one of those you know yeah. sports writer awards. He's such a he's uh-huh. such a good writer. Yeah, and he loves like planes and stuff too, which uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, I we'll start to hear rumors from him probably around eleven tomorrow, eleven thirty. Yeah, he works yeah. the rooms. Although I with who knows with it being all digital this year, maybe not. Maybe he can't work the rooms so well. Yeah, Pittsburgh is picking first, and followed by I think uh, Texas. Texas, yeah. So Pittsburgh and Texas, and then Detroit at number three. So. All right, so it looks like we're out of time for now. So there will be a second half of the show with our guest who works for a newspaper. That's all I'm going to say. Like I said, we're going to make sure. John Lennon. John. <laughs> but we look forward to talking to you again next week. We'll be doing this on a weekly basis till the end of the year. And one one thing, hold on. One time. So I got Chris. So Chris is going to get a new upgrade the mic situation. So this is his Christmas gift right there. All I need is one mic. I think Harris one. Yeah. I, thank you very much, Roger. Ah, it's no problem at all. So we'll be talking again next week. We'll be doing a, kind of a live chat going forward. This was kind of like an impromptu thing, and we'll continue to do these. These are fun. And, yeah, so thank you for listening, and uh, look forward to talking again next week. Just said that's redundant, and hope you like our guest. We'll see you soon. I went full Vulcan.
Welcome back to the second segment here of Tigers SRD. We're joined by Tony Paul of the Detroit News. He joins us to talk some free agency, what the Tigers may or may not do. It's been a quiet month or so since the season ended. We've gotten the we got the minor league invites out today, Tony, and the Rule Five draft is tomorrow. But first and foremost, how are you doing? Very good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Thank you. Right. Yeah, and and for I mean for the terms of Tigers, I know it's been kind of quiet. You saw the, the Royals make a move; they signed Carlos Santana, right. and they got Mike Miner, and then the White Sox have been pretty aggressive. But for Al Avila, I, I know a lot of the fans are upset, and and they're just kind of waiting. And I know it's perhaps a little bit impatience, but some of the guys you mentioned, some of them are really good value. But in terms of where the Tigers might go first, is there any inclination or any idea where that might go to sign first? No, I, I, I mean, I don't have any clear direction on which uh, which area they're going to address first because there's so many needs that they have, uh, especially on the position player side of things. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's any big deal that it's been you know a slow a slow start to the off season. You know, we knew that was going to be the case given the uncertain finances uh, surrounding many of the teams. Uh, I know Scott Boris came out and said that you know every major league team made money last year. I just don't believe that to be true um, when you're, you know, not able to sell a single ticket. You know, it's not like the NFL. You know, the NFL, if you're an NFL owner, you make a profit before you sell a single ticket. And that's not the case in baseball. Um, so, you know, there's financial issues that teams are worried about. And so that, I think that we were always expecting this to be a slow a slow burn to start free agency as, as teams kind of figure out where where they are financially and where uh, they think Major League Baseball could be next season in terms of, of fans and, and, and when fans are going to return to the ballpark. So um, and, uh, on that front, you know, I understand why the Tigers are taking their time. But I also, you know, as I wrote a couple, I think it was three weeks ago now or whatever, but um, as I wrote then, you know, this is the Tigers could use this as kind of an advantage for them because, you know, they have so many holes they need to fill. They expect to contend in 2022. Um, you know, you can't just go into next off season and get all your pieces all at once. It takes a couple, a couple of cycles. So they, you know, they have a little bit of an advantage here where they could maybe go get, uh, you know, a, a significant piece or two, uh, on the cheap because of the fact that we're not going to see contracts as bloated uh, this off season as, as we've seen in previous off seasons, just because of the uncertain finances. So, uh, it's a slow start, but, um, you know, if the Tigers are really thinking this through and if Chris Hillich is really sincere, in wanting to spend, well, this is the offseason that you have to start spending. Yeah, do, do you, I mean, we're going on four offseasons now where they, they haven't handed out a contract of more than one year to a free agent. Mm-hmm. Do you picture that ending this year? I mean, obviously, there are interesting uh, circumstances. I mean, if I had to bet my life on it, I'm not sure that I'd place that wager, but um, just given the history that we've seen with this franchise since Chris Hillis became the de facto owner, um, of the team and they just haven't spent and and i get it because they're rebuilding and you know you don't need to go crazy you know in year one year two of a five or six year rebuild uh you know because what's the point but now you're you know you're selling and you believe you really believe that you're going to contend in 2022 and given all the pitchers that they believe can contribute uh, starting this year and then significantly contribute in 2022 you know, this is the time to do it. You know, if you look at when the Tigers were rebuilding the last time was in the early 2000s, and you know, it took three it, t- it took three off season cycles to to get you know you get you the pieces that you needed to contend along with the internal pieces that were able to you know contribute finally by 2006. I mean, you look 2000 you know 2004 they signed Padre Rodriguez, 2005 they um, you know they signed Maglio Ordonez, they trade for Carlos Guillen. Trade for Placido Polanco, 2006. They signed Kenny Rogers. They signed Todd Jones as a, as a final pieces. It takes multiple cycles. So you would think if the Tigers believe they're going to contend in 2022, which I think they can, um, now's the time you have to start picking off some of those pieces. And again, given that there's so many significant pieces on the free agent market that might be able to be signed at a discount, I'm not talking like you're going to get DJ LeMahieu to sign a one-year, one million dollar deal, but you know, uh, in the you know put in perspective you're going to be able to get um you know some of these guys to sign for below what their market value would have been say a year ago then now's the time to do it because if you just wait and you you're, you go into 2022 going all right we're going to contend and you then decide now we're going to go get our pieces i don't i don't think you're going to be able to get enough to to really be able to contend so 
that's why you know you know I know a lot of writers have written that that they're going to be looking for bargain two year deals you know something along the lines of Jonathan Scope or CJ Crone like they did last off season uh, you know bargain decent pieces uh, I think they have to do better than that if you're really going to contend now's the time. Yeah, and, and, and in your mind, I mean, I don't want to give away your article too much, but uh, I mean, who, who would be the, the, the main guy you'd go after to start that process? Oh, I'd go after, I mean, honestly, I'd go after DJ LeMahieu and George Springer. Those would be the two at the top of the list. And I know that sounds ambitious, but you're, you have a team. You have to remember, you have a team that had a bloated payroll for many, many years that handcuffed their ability to, you know, really kickstart this rebuild as, as well as they could have if they didn't have so many bad contracts. Now they don't have any bad contracts. They have Miguel Cabrera's contract, which is a long and expensive contract, but that's it. They don't have anything else on the books uh, you know, other than Miguel's deal. So you have the financial flexibility if you have an owner that's willing to go spend. So you look at the free agent market, where do you, where could you use a guy? Well, DJ LeMay, you can play all over the infield. That's convenient because you need all over the infield. <laughs> uh, you know, George Springer, you know, could play center field. Kobe Jones can move to one of the corners and be a very athletic corner outfielder. Uh, yeah, I'd start right there. And, uh, you know, people are like, well, George Springer's in his 30s. You know, that's a waste of money. Well, Megler Ardonias was in his 30s, and that worked out pretty well for the Tigers, too. So, um, you know, I honestly, I'd start there. You ha- if you have an owner who's really committed to spending when the time is right, well, the time is right. So let's see if he spends. I'd, I'd start right at the top. Yeah, but it's just, uh, and I know, have... and I know it sounds outrageous, but why is it outrageous? You know, well, why is it? No. I mean, if this team, if this team's going to spend and they, they say they will, when they contend, if you can get those guys at slightly below market values this off season, and then, of course, you have the relationship between Springer and Hinch. You have the hometown story with DJ LeMahieu. Uh, you know, it just makes sense to me. I mean, I'm not cutting $100 million checks, but, uh, you know, looking from the outside, I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. The, the only thing, and, and we touched on it, that it just it just feels we've heard so little from the Tigers so far. And not that we would hear anything, yeah. but that just, you know, sometimes you could tell when teams are going to be active. Like the Royals have already done three or four things. Uh, yeah. You don't get, as I said, Roger earlier, you don't get extra wins for being uh, the first to sign somebody. But it just it's no. uh, just feels like the Tigers and, aren't all that interested. But we'll see, I guess. And and uh, I I you know and if you look around baseball, I mean, what teams are out there? You know. Yeah. You know, uh, really bragging about how we're going to go spend, spend, spend. There aren't very many of them. And yeah, the Royals made a couple nice moves uh, for sure. The White Sox made a couple nice moves. But I wouldn't consider them, you know, earth-shattering moves on any level. Um, you know, and no, and no team really has. I think the Mets are close to James McCann if they haven't signed him already. I don't consider that earth-shattering move that's going to, you know, really rattle the, rattle the, uh, the baseball world. Uh, so, you know, I don't think there's many teams out there that are talking about it. Of course, the Tigers aren't, aren't out there doing that, nor would they be. Uh, you know, I mean, we we all knew, you know, we all knew under Dombrowski, you know, even though he you know, always downplayed things and never wanted to talk about what the team was doing, everyone knew that he was out there trying to get the big fish because that was what Mike Gillich wanted to do. Well, we have a new owner now in Detroit, you know, running the team, and this owner has said he will spend when the time is right. And I'm just, my question is, when will the time be right? Because if you believe you're going to contend in 2022, you can't wait till the offseason before 2022 to make your moves to supplement what you have in-house. Yeah, I mean, it, it, say you are, are willing to spend in 2022 and you go out there and nobody signs with you, then what? <laughs> right. I agree with right. you. Right, exactly. You know, it it's, never it's works a multi-year deal. process. Yeah, it's a multi-year process like it was in, 20, in you know, 2004, 5, and 6. You have to, you know, you, you get the pieces when you can. And, uh, you know, so you don't contend in 2021, but you still have DJ LeMahieu for four more years. I think I think you'd be pretty happy with that. So, um, you know, it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm, I'm on an island, it appears, with the local writers um, <laughs> on, on that stance, and that's fine. Uh, maybe I'm on an island when it comes to the Tigers front office, too. Uh, I don't know which way they're going to go. Uh, but, again, it makes sense. And if, if something makes sense, i got to believe that it would at least be a possibility. No, and we're, on, we're, we're probably on the same island with that. And the, the, the question I have for you, Tony, too, in terms of even for trading for prospects, and I did an article about this today on Mostly Bengals, where you look at 
since 1999 when Randy Smith that made that deal. I mean, he got burned obviously a little bit by Frank Candia. Frank Candelario, ah, I don't like to say his name. Candelario. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And you know, Francisco <laughs> yep. Cordova, or the closer Cordero. for yeah, Cordero, and they uh, gave Capital. Well, that's kind of debatable. The, the Texas got three decent years out of him. Outside of that, and then of course Suarez a few years ago, the Tigers have not been burned when they trade prospects. And so I, I understand why with pitching the way it is, pitching you want to have a system full of pitchers. The Tigers don't really have anybody in the infield in terms of that. I mean, they have Cody Clemens in Double A, but we don't know if that's. They going have to... nobody. They yeah, have nobody. Okay, well, they, yeah, I was just gonna say yeah. they, they they don't have anybody at all across the board in the infield, and there's a lot of teams out there that have systems that are just like they have a couple of extra infielders, what have you. I I think they should go the trade route, Tony. I mean, but then again, I know people talk about Alvila's trade track record, but this year it's paid off. I mean, you look at Candelario's process. Or it has progressed a little bit, and Paredes has done very well. But there's no indication of putting Paredes at second, which kind of blows my mind. For whatever reason, I don't know why yeah. they don't put him at second or, base. Or Willie Castro. Yeah, yeah, or Willie Castro. Yeah, gave him a good point, Chris. Yeah. Well, um, the trade market is different than it's been um, in a while. Uh, it, it, it's been this way for a couple of years now, um, in that, uh, you know, in the Nebrowski era, you trade prospects and you go get superstars. Well, Fewer and fewer teams are willing to make that, those deals on the other end, so it's it's not as easy uh, uh, to just go out and you know trade a you know trade a a, a Scooble or a Funkhauser or whatever to go get uh, you know to go get some of these guys. It's just not as you know it's more more and more teams aren't making those deals on both sides, so I'm not sure how viable that is. Um, but uh, you know when you have when you have a minor league system, you're proud of. And, you know, I talked to Keith Law the other day, and he even likes the Tiger system, and everyone thinks Keith Law hates the Tiger system. <laughs> he even likes them now. Uh, is when you have a system that, you, you know, you have pieces and you feel like, you know, you're going to get contributions and soon from these pieces, you know, then, you know, go get something for nothing. And by nothing, I mean money, you know. I mean, the Illiches have plenty of money. Go get something without having to give up anything, and uh, so that's why I think that's just the best way to do it right now. And if you look, if you look around the Tigers' position players, I mean they have very little coming up from the minor league system. You got Torkelson that's probably going to be here relatively soon. You got Riley Green who's only a couple of years out of high school, but he might be here relatively soon. And beyond that, you don't have a whole lot. You got Jazz Cameron, and he's a nice piece, I guess, but nothing, you know, nothing super special. Um, you know, so you look, you look at what you have on the, you know, on the major league roster. And you, who do you have that you know might fit it? You got Willie Castro, okay. You got you got Nico Goodrum, you got Candelario, you got Jacoby Jones, okay. You know, and a lot of those guys could play a lot of different places. So go get yourself another guy, a superstar who could play those places. You know, in DJ LeMahieu, go get yourself a superstar outfielder. You know, whether it's Springer or somebody else. Uh, I just think that it makes more sense for this team, which is which the ownership has cash. Go get something for nothing. And I, and I just think that's the best way to go because the trade route is just it's the, the landscape of trades in baseball has shifted dramatically in the last couple of years. Now we, we touched on pitching just a little bit there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I want to shift gears just uh, a, a tad because we still don't really know. And I'm curious what you think. We don't know what kind of season 2021 is going to be. If it's going to be a full 162 game schedule and if it is, it's going to be a huge jump in innings for every team. So, so I'm kind of curious right. what your thoughts on the full season are and, and if there's any pitching uh, out there that you think the Tigers might want to target. Yeah, and I mentioned that in the article as well, that even though they're, you know, some, their strength of their, of their youth and their strength of their minor league system is pitching, you can never have enough pitching. So, you know, I suggested, you know, you go look at a, you know, you go look at a starter, you know, a, a frontline guy, a Trevor Bauer or, or somebody else who doesn't, you know, one of them out there you know there's no shame in in adding you know adding a number one because let's be honest you don't have a number one right now you know everyone liked to call Matt Boyd the ace a couple years ago he was only the ace on the Tigers you know we use the term ace very loosely in baseball if you're the best pitcher in your rotation you're considered an ace and I just don't think that I just don't think that's true uh you know Boyd's a, a, a 2b a 2b or a 3a uh and when he's pitching well so um, you could never have enough, so it, you know I it wouldn't you know it wouldn't be 
anything, you know, anything bad if they went out and, and, and went and got a pitcher too. Obviously you start with the, you start with your, your true weaknesses, which is, which is all around the diamond. Uh, but, you know, if you can go get a, a starting pitcher on a reasonable three or four year deal, I think absolutely you'd have to consider that. Because you don't really know what the rotation is going to look like. And I think because of the fact that many people were limited, everyone was limited in innings this year, and especially prospects who didn't make the major leagues, so they didn't have a minor league season, you know, there are going to be inning concerns. And I could see a lot of teams at least starting out next season with a, with a five and, you know, I guess a six man rotation in a way, uh, just to kind of, you know, ease people into it. So uh, you can never have enough. Uh, so I, I think it'd be fine if the Tigers went out and got a starter. Yeah, I like your suggestion of Corey Kluber because I thought that would be, especially, I'm sure he's kind of trying to earn maybe a one-year, like a, a reason why right. I think like a one-year deal based off coming back from injury. And Kluber still has the stuff, and you can probably get at least 125, 135 innings, which sounds, I mean, like I say that now, and, and Tony, you've watched baseball long enough to know that just sounds ridiculous, but it's kind of becoming a norm now these days where the Tigers have not had a 200-inning thrower since 2015. 15, 2014. So for me, just getting a Tigers, a, another starter that can throw 150 innings, thank God. I mean, just for, for something. I mean, just it's just because like, you look at the rotation. Across, Franklin Perez is not going to be up here next year. He's going to need another year in the, in the minors. Right. And outside of that, even on a, from a double-A side, Tony, they don't really have enough depth among their starters because you're not going to tell me that Brandon Bass is a major league baseball player. Sorry, I mean, as a starter, but it's just they right. – they, their options are very limited. They're outside of the big three. Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. So you, you want to go get some inning guys, and, and a Kluber is, is a guy that I kind of pinpointed that, that might be someone who fits in, you know, isn't super expensive and has, has some, you know, some credit, you know, some uh, capital to build back up. Uh, and so might be a, might be a way to go. But, yeah, I mean, I think you, you need a few, you, need, you know, you need some of those guys that can throw the innings because you just don't have them. You know, you don't have guys that threw any innings in 2020 because of the shortened season. So, yeah, I, I think that makes total sense. Yeah, and you, you can sort of picture somebody like Corey Kluber uh, almost feeling like that Kenny Rogers role you mentioned where, where suddenly you right. bring this older guy that – and I mean, it's different pitchers altogether, but <laughs> an older guy right. who's got experience and he come, comes and mentors the team and actually is one of the best pitchers for a year or two. Well, you got yeah, you get a guy like that, or you get you know you get a guy like that. You put him with Boyd. You you, you see if Fulmer if Fulmer bounces back, which I you know I'm kind of optimistic that he will. Um, I think he's coming back from that, and you, you throw in the Scooble and the Mize, and then you have you know other pieces that can plug in if need be. And uh, I think you're you know you, you add just one guy like that, and I think your rotation looks so much better. Yeah, and, and I, I expect to see some starts from Matt Manning and probably Alex Fido, assuming sure. that they're both healthy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like the, the word is that, yeah, yeah. No, no. But the word is that they're going to be all right. I'd say, I suspect Manning would probably be a, a guy that you might be relying on more than Fido, but I, I think both yeah. of them will contribute to some level in in twenty twenty one. Yeah, especially if yeah. Manning... But again, like we were saying, they, they can't do a whole season. They they only. <laughs> Right, they topped out at like yeah, 120 I mean, when they were healthy yeah. two years ago. No, no, that that's that's gonna really shift the look of baseball this year. I really think that a lot of people, and it's good that you mentioned it because a lot of people aren't talking about that. You know, the lack of innings that were thrown in 2020 and the expectations for innings in 2021 are just not going to jive, and so there's going to have to be an adjustment there. Whether it's more teams using the opener whether it's more teams going to a six-man rotation at least through April and May. Uh, I think it's definitely going to give baseball games. a different look. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, with Rob Manford, you never rule it out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would surprise that you didn't see more of the winter leagues were in the Dominican or even in the Mexican specific where they are – that you would see some of these pitchers even getting some innings that they didn't the year before. I know that – what was it, Chris? I think you guys both know this, that – there's a provision not, if they're on the forty man roster they can't do winter league right? Is that what it was? I don't know the exact rule, but there's also that, travel concerns this year too, yeah. which played a role in that. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's some and there's some restrictions about how many uh, foreign players you can you can have uh, on in, in various winter leagues. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would think some guys would would really take the chance to go get some more innings. But you never know. I mean, these veterans they're they're used to downtime in the winter. And ramping up yeah. at a certain time, and, and 
And maybe some of the guys who are, you know, longtime pitchers can handle a, a huge jump in innings, like a U Darvish or something like that. Maybe can handle 100 extra innings next year. But I, it just seems like a lot of yeah, guys but won't not be able every, to. Not, yeah, not a, not everyone will be able to do that. So I do, I do think you're going to see, you're going to see uh, just a different look as far as pitching is concerned. Yeah, it could be. I think it's going to be a lot of those uh, one or two inning starters starts again. Which, I, to me, that's just sometimes it's cringeworthy watching that kind of thing where it's like. You see three or four bullpen starts, and I don't know. I, I prefer a quality start, six innings, just give me that, and I mean, call me old-fashioned, whatever, but that, that's fine. I just – even for the Tiger standpoint, too, I like the other suggestion you had uh, in terms of relievers, Brad Hand, who passed through waivers, and, I mean, he had a really – I mean, he had a little bit of a down year, comparatively speaking, to his 2019 season, but that's a guy – Yeah, but it's – so it's so yeah. hard to judge anything that happened in 2020. Exactly. I mean, there were guys who had crazy whips of 0.7, and and guys who had whips of 1.8 that you just wouldn't expect. And um, you know, I think uh, if I if I would pinpoint a place where the Tigers probably don't need as much help as the bullpens, uh, so I think that that would be kind of a, a bonus. Um, but um, let me ask you guys a question though: What if you all right, so? What if you sign? So you, you go with my suggestion. You sign Corey Kluber, George Springer, DJ LeMahieu this offseason, and maybe a reliever. And next offseason, you sign Justin Verlander. Is that team contending in 2022? Because I believe it is. And I don't think that is think, that much work to get you there. I think it, it contention for sure. And you, you throw in the 2022 class of shortstops that would be out mm-hmm. there. I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're banking a pretty high payroll at that point, but but yeah, I mean, I, I it when you when you add three or four quality veterans, and then you have the young guys coming in, and there's not so much pressure on them. I think that can that's a, a formula for a winning team. We saw it, like you said, we saw, yeah. we saw it in 2006. I, they got a lot of yeah, help I just, from Verlander, Demaya, yeah. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I just believe that if you believe that your minor leaguers are that close to helping you out in a significant way, then now's the time. I would, I would agree. With, you, you know, if, I just don't believe waiting until next off season does you any good. I think it just sets you back another year. I, I agree with you, Tony. And I think that what you that question, the answer to your question, I think also I would go yes, and also factor in the fact that Cleveland is going to sell Lenore this off season, and Cleveland's not going to. They continue to. They just got a new TV contract. I think their their TV contract's coming up shortly. There, they have to renew it. So Cleveland's not going to spend the Royals. Are going to be aggressive, but at the same time, it's the Royals, and I say that in the sense that they, the farm system they ha- it's loaded with pitching. They might be a couple years away, but they still need offense. And the White Sox and Twins are the two teams that scare me the most. But I think the Tigers, with that core you just mentioned, could make some noise, especially in and especially against Chicago. Which you know, we we know this every year. The White Sox every two or three years implode. They trade everybody away, and then they start all over again because Jerry Reinsdorf does gets cheap or whatever the case is, and it's it's such a you know, part of language. It's such a shit show down there sometimes. So it's like just for me, the White Sox, the White Sox for years have been oversold. Yeah, and they've never. I mean, when was the last time the White Sox? How many off seasons have they had where they've been? Excuse the dogs in the background here. It's okay. <laughs> um, when was the you know all the off seasons the White Sox have had recently where everyone raves about them? When was the last time they lived up to the hype? You know, it's been forever. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, you talk about the White Sox and the Twins. If you're the Tigers, you shouldn't be scared of either one of those franchises. Like, I mean, you look at the AL Central. The AL Central is still there for the taking in the next, you know, for the next five years if you want to go do it. And the, that's the attitude the Tigers need to have. You know, they've got, they've got a clean book, you know, clean books, clean budget. You know, go do it. If you, if you really are being honest with your fan base, if you're Chris Illich and you are as passionate as your father was, and you are as passionate about baseball, and you want to win more than anybody, well, then go prove it. Go do it, because it's there for the taking. The AL Central is completely there for the taking. All right, Chris, yeah, what's I was, I was Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I was just, you know, I was looking, and not that not that uh, war or war projections or everything, but uh, they signed the three guys you mentioned, you know, Springer, LeMahieu, and Bauer. That's 12 wins next year, 12 extra wins. Yes. Um, yeah. That's so it. That, that, that goes a long way. Like 40, what, what, what did they get them up to, 41 wins or something? <laughs> compared to this, yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And look, they're look, they're not going to sign all those guys. I know that, and they probably no, won't sign any of them. I was just, I'm, I'm just making the case that you know, 
if you if you're being honest with your fan base, then do it. Go do it. Put your money where your mouth is. And until Chris Illich does that, you know, no one's going to believe a word that comes out of his mouth. Because you know, what do we? And, and I point this out in the column as well is that what do we have to go on with Chris Illich? Very little, especially when it comes to sports. You know, since he's owned the teams, the Wings have been down, the Tigers have been down. So we don't know what he's going to do with a winning franchise or if he can create a if he can build toward a winning formula. All we have to go on, and I point this out as well, is District Detroit, which was a big basket of empty promises that haven't been fulfilled. Yeah. So, you know, so until he steps up and actually does what he says he's going to do when the time is right, whenever that is, then fans are going to be skeptical and rightly so. Yeah, I think I think we're 100% agree with, with you. We're we're kind of uh yeah, we get a lot hopeful, of but we get not a lot of grief. Optimistic, I guess. Yeah, we get a lot of grief for being "quote unquote" too realistic, but whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything <laughs> and just go, "Oh, I got to do this to please you know, I don't, I don't even get media credentials for Christ's sake. So I just do. I'm just going to say what I'm going to say, and, and I'm going to say it. You know, like the Tigers haven't had a second base. They haven't had a homegrown second baseman since Lou Whitaker. Okay, so I mean, come on, right. it's just ridiculous. But oh, come on, they had Scott. They had Scott Sizemore. Ooh, or, uh, or Will. And you know, it's funny. <laughs> by the way, Will Rhymes. It's so strange to me, Tony, that Will Rhymes is now that director of player development with the Dodgers. Doesn't that blow your mind? I mean, I know you were covering the beat then. Bye. You know, yeah, the by the way, players. Will Rhymes was a scrappy little player. I like yeah, Will Rhymes. I did yeah. too. Yeah, it's just so weird to think he's the. No, the I, <laughs> it's weird, but yeah. I just remember when Jim Leland uh, was talking about how tan Scott Sizemore was. <laughs> oh, all right, it's interesting. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, Tony. I know we were mostly talking about baseball here, but while we have you, you're, you're a man for all seasons. You know, you do a lot of golf stuff. Uh, Rod, uh, Roger and I aren't huge golf guys, but uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to get your take on a couple football items real quick, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I'm curious who you best. think the Lions coach is going to be next year, and uh, who's going to be coaching Michigan Wolverines at this time next year? Uh, I, I think the Lions coach has to be Sally from San Francisco. I think that that just makes too much sense. He's been a hot commodity for a while. Michigan State wanted him uh, last yeah. offseason, but he wanted to stay in the NFL game. And I, I think that, and forget all the Dearborn stuff. I don't think that matters. I think that he's earned the right to, uh, you know, have a shot. Uh, so I think that uh, that's obviously a name that, that sticks out for me. I, I'd be surprised if he's not the guy. I think that all signs point that way. Uh, Michigan, I believe, is going to be Jim Harbaugh. I think next year might be his last year. Um, but I just don't see him parting way right now, um, both both sides. I just think that, you know, it's just it's it's a weird time to, to make a change. And, uh, you know, even though I believe he's grossly underperformed, it's year six of the Harbaugh era and, this was as miserable a year as, as he could have ever imagined. Um, I just I just believe that uh, they'll they'll get this extension done, and, and fans will freak out about the years that they're committing this many years to them. They're not, you know, the years on these contracts don't matter. It's about the buyout, and that's what the university is going to be on the hook for. And the buyout's going down with Jim Harbaugh on on this extension that that they're believed to be working on, and, and so that's going to give Michigan the wiggle room to make a change if and when it wants to. Um, I still think the end game here is never going to be Michigan firing Jim Harbaugh. I think it's going to be a mutual thing where Jim Harbaugh jumps to the NFL again. Um, I just think there's too much respect on both sides for Harbaugh's, you know, you know, history with Michigan. Um, So I I think they'll get the, I think they'll get an extension done, but again, fans don't can't freak out about the years. It's about the buyout, which is going down. And I think, if it's a miserable season next year, you'll see a mutual parting of the ways. That's my hunch. Uh, so I think Jim Harwell will be the coach next year. All right. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, Which, you know, as, as a guy who went to Michigan State, you know, and enjoyed that Michigan <laughs> State game this year, uh, you know, <laughs> so be it. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a little element of, of you can't go home again. I, I almost kind of reminiscent of when, when Alan Trammell came and coached. Uh, yeah, it's the hard. It's hard. But, uh, the expectations are much higher are for Harbaugh. through the roof. It's, 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 they were – and they're they're high for any hero, you know. Um, it's it's just very difficult thing to um, to do. And so the expectations were probably a little unrealistic, you know, national championship by year three or whatever it is. Um, but it it is difficult to go home. And I think Michigan has a problem there in that they're obsessed with this Michigan man mantra that needs to be forgotten. You know, Bo, you know, God bless him, is gone. Um, you know, those days are over and, you know, it's, it's time to, it's time to bring, you know, to 
create a new identity for your program. Okay, you're the winningest program in college football history, and that doesn't mean anything because for the last 25, 30 years, compared to your expectations, you've been very mediocre. So it does, it, those days of bragging about that or talking about the Michigan man, those, those have to be over. It's time to move on. And I think the next coach, uh, whenever the parting does happen, has to be, you know, just has to be a good coach, whether, you know, a good solid coach, whether he has a ties to Michigan or not, and preferably not. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the great irony, I guess, is that, that Bo wasn't a Michigan man until he became a Michigan man. Like, you know, he was right. a Miami right, of Ohio man. Or Miami of Ohio. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but it's just it's just ever since then it's just been this this steady thing, except for the Rich Rodriguez hiring, which was you know that was too extreme at that time. It was too extreme of a shift, and I think that's just it didn't work. Uh, you know, they didn't get the right guy to go outside the Michigan man mantra. But I think that that's going to be something they're going to have to focus on it. And frankly, I think they'll be able to do it because at, at some point you're, you're going to run out of Michigan men that can coach your football team. So <laughs> yeah, I, think they're getting, I think they're getting. I think they're getting to that point. So uh, Tony, b- b- before I let you go, where can we find the Green and White podcast? I know you've been doing that for a while now, and uh, tell people where they, where they can check it out. Yeah, uh, we've been doing the Green Room for about uh, a little bit over, I guess, a year and a half, maybe two years now. Um, took a little break over COVID because there wasn't much to talk about, but. We are back um, during the football season. Charbonneau and I, um, Matt Charbonneau, my colleague at the news, we uh, we recap uh, every Saturday night or Sunday morning. We recap uh, Michigan State uh, and all the action in the Big Ten. We talk hoops and, and anything else that's going on with Michigan State and really throughout the college landscape. So uh, we record it Saturday, so you can get it usually Sundays at DetroitNews.com. I think we're on all those platforms, iTunes, whatever, you know, wherever you get your podcast. But, yeah, Green Room Podcast. Every week we do it, so uh, check it out. It's free, so you got that going for you. That's yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Especially what is the? Uh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was just gonna say how how good the Big Ten looks in basketball this year. It's oh yeah, it's been uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you, yeah, you see, I mean, uh, and you know, Michigan State's good, but then when you see what what Illinois did to Duke and. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in Michigan, by the way, they beat a, a pretty, they really whipped a pretty decent Toledo team tonight. Um, so uh, you, you look around the Big Ten, and it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it, maybe it's a time for the Big Ten to finally get another national champion. And what's it, it's only been since two thousand, so uh, I think they're due. Yeah, 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 me too. yeah. Hopefully it happens. But Tony, thanks so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate the time, and uh, look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, All right, Tony. let's do it again. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Right, let's see. Uh, let's stop that. Chris.